You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone. Uh, you are listening to RB1, colon, a fantasy football podcast brought to you by FakeTeams.com. I am your host, Peter Rogers, joined by Jonathan Barnett. Jonathan, how are you? It's been a great day. Actually, today is my birthday. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> Happy birthday. I waited to spring that on you, too. We've I been talking love it. Here. <laughs> Uh, Gotta have uh, some sort of spontaneity on a on a podcast. So exactly, go. that's the that's what gets the people going. <laughs> right, knowing that it's my birthday is what clearly makes uh, makes the public excited. <laughs> exactly. Why else would they be? Won't hear it till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be a delayed. You'll get swarmed with uh, with birthday tweets a day late. Basically, everybody who's listening to this, you missed it. You, you missed it. <laughs> you and are, you are I'll no... expect apology tweets. So. Uh, at jbarn54, J-B-A-R-N, number five, number four. Uh, I'll expect them later this week. There, You've heard it here first. You've heard it here first. Uh, uh, excellent. So we're going we're gonna to start off with the show. We've got big things to cover, a lot of craziness that happened in the NFL, uh, talking about Ezekiel Elliott's suspension, and then suddenly the Bills decided that they just wanted to switch their wide receivers around. Uh, but before we get into anything... We wanted to do a quick correction at the top of the show. Yes. Um, we, in our first episode, we talked about the our top 200 fake teams, top 200 uh, fantasy football players. And in it, we talked about one of our writers, Haji, uh, who, who writes fantasy football for us and with us, um, who we were butchering his name and was pronouncing it Koji. Uh, so we wanted to officially apologize. Um, it is pronounced Haji. Uh, luckily, he was super cool about it because he's super yeah, cool. Yeah, we, we apologized afterwards as well, yes. kind of like the birthday apologies. Exactly, so. exactly. We yeah. were It was correcting, correcting after the fact. Um, so Jonathan's giving you a 24-hour period where he'll accept your apologies for a delayed birthday, but anything past that, then it's just going to be a block. If anybody's ever watched Flight of the Concords, there's the uh, Tears of a Rapper song. Oh, that's a great like the song. Day after my birthday is not my birthday, Mom. <laughs> You know, you know that this is a worthwhile podcast to listen to when we're under five minutes in and we're already quoting Flight of the Concords. It's beautiful. That's why you come. (laughs) So yes, so we'll be we will be talking fantasy football today. Don't worry. Um, And then at the end, we'll bring on one of our other writers, Heath Caps, and we will talk a little Game of Thrones since everyone. is obsessed with that and crazy about that. And we've just established the fantasy game of Thrones. Uh, so you can make sure you can play that at fake teams. And I don't want to drop major knowledge too soon, but I also have it on good authority that it's also his birthday today. So <laughs> that's perfect. There's a lot of birthday tweets that our listeners are going to need to be sending out right away. And then I'll see how sad it is that we don't have any, any actual fans. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's gonna be tough to hear. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's let's start with uh, the Ezekiel Elliott suspension. Um, so we wrote about th- I wrote about this on Fate Teams when it happened, and I'm sure you can you know if you just search Ezekiel Elliott in suspension, you'll see why he was being suspended. He is just, was was in charge. He was allegedly it was for domestic violence uh, and then also some other uh, extracurricular activities, including removing the top of a woman during a St. Patrick's Day parade, I believe. Um, so he's been suspended from the NFL for six day, uh, six weeks. 
uh, once the season starts. And obviously that uh, suddenly changes the fantasy football landscape, given that he was going on most everyone's board, uh, the number three running back and probably the number three pick. Um, so for you, Jonathan, we'll start off. Because I could dedicate this entire podcast into talking about how the NFL finally got a punishment correct for domestic violence and finally seemingly are taking a strong stance on it. Um, what is the big, what's your biggest takeaway from the Ezekiel Elliott suspension? I want to start, I guess, w- with one thing probably d- just – I don't know everybody knows this. Uh, I've been a practicing attorney for some time. I, I used to prosecute. Okay, So I'm a former prosecutor. I've dealt with a lot of – domestic abuse issues they come up far more frequently than a lot of people probably know um but it's out there constantly and i'll say i guess one thing is is something that people should also bear in mind uh most employers don't fire anybody or suspend them for their their domestic things so this is something when you get you know, terribly up there at the nfl obviously they're a very different sort of thing because they're much more public but uh, I prosecuted a lot of people, but just about none of them lost a job over it, except for you know people who had to carry a firearm. They, they yeah, they lose their jobs. Um, the NFL is obviously a very different animal, and the, you know, we can't talk about this without at least talking about the reality of what this is and what's going on. And that you know, first off, they're not required to follow the same sorts of problems that the court has to follow. They don't have to go through all the other rigmarole. They don't have to go through as much due process because, you, you know, you you have a right to your property. You have a right to your liberty. You have a right to your freedom. You don't have a right to specifically have this one job. They're an at-will sort of employee anyhow. So, yeah, this is touchy and definitely running through your Twitter feed for the last week has been people on both sides uh, making statements and – it's obviously something the NFL is going to have to tread very uh, carefully just going forward because it's something that's going to continue to be there because this is not leaving our culture quickly. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the thing in terms of just getting ourselves out of you know, the obligatory talk in that <laughs> domestic violence is terrible. Yes. It's horrible. It happens everywhere and in all social strata and in every, you know, it doesn't matter how much you make it's happening. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and you know somebody who's doing it. You just don't know they've been arrested or caught. But Ezekiel Elliott out six weeks, we're going to be looking at. I know that uh, Alfred Morris's pick numbers have gone way up. Um, he shows up on the top of those lists when you start looking at who should I be picking up this week. The uh, you know ESPN and Yahoo do those things where they start looking at those numbers and they just drop the numbers and they're saying, like, here's somebody everybody's picking up. Right. And it's right. Alfred Morris right now. Probably because um, uh, Darren McFadden run DMC, he's been picked up already. He's probably somebody's handcuffed. People probably had an inkling and were getting him early. Uh, I know that a lot of different sites put him as your number one handcuff for this season. So, yeah, suddenly Alfred Morris has some kind of value again, which I'm I'm not going to take him. I've been hurt too many times <laughs> going with Alfred Morris. But uh, McFadden's going to be interesting for six weeks yeah and he'll have some residual ability after that i don't know i, I think he's gonna fall more in an rb2 role uh, mm-hmm. i guess i'd get your opinion on that i don't i just don't think he's nearly as dynamic no i completely agree i think especially since you've heard already kind of coming out of the cowboys that they're flirting with the idea of running a committee without elliot um which is everyone's worst nightmare especially in a in an offense like the Cowboys that really wants to run the ball. And so a, a, you know, a workhorse running back in that offense will be very valuable in fantasy. The next thing that, that I'm going to talk about is Dak. Exactly. exactly. And I know that last week we talked about him. He was one of the guys you really liked um, and possibly moving up in some of these places. Somebody you thought last week was going on underdrafted at least. I'll tell you the one thing though, in thinking about this, Alfred Morris might, might have slightly more value in the fact that he's better with a running quarterback. Mm. His best years were playing with RG3, and when they moved away from that running quarterback, he kind of became like, we need a lead back. You're going to be running alone with a quarterback they're not going to worry about. 
Alfred Morris might be slightly more valuable, but depending on how much they really want to let Dak run or just allow his speed to be something he can use otherwise. Right. I think right. moving Ezekiel Elliott is going to hurt Dak Prescott uh, in terms of you don't have to sit in the box on him as much. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I just think you're not as afraid of, of Darren McFadden or Alfred Morris. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm looking at the uh, the ESPN depth charts right now, which are which are frequently a useful tool. They only go as deep as Alfred Morris right now. Oh, boy. You got Zeke Elliott. They have Darren McFadden. I think they got him as everyone. And then add to bench Alfred Morris. So, yeah. It's a, not, <laughs> not, not as flex even at this point. Oh, so, boy. No. Uh, yeah, no. I do think I think that this definitely bumps Dak up in the uh, in the quarterback rankings because the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that the Cowboys are going to uh, rely on him a little bit more and trust him. I mean, I don't know, and I'm hmm. thinking more he moves up simply because of touches rather than I. I think he'll still perform well, but I think him and I think Des Bryant and people in the passing game, maybe Jason Witten, but I think Dak and Des. Uh, Jump or not? I shouldn't say jump. Jump's a big word. Take a, a few steps up the list, um, given the fact that I just volume play. Yeah, because I think I think that the Cowboys are going to without Elliott and without maybe a defined running back in that backfield. I could see them becoming a little more balanced and kind of relying a little bit more on Dak and letting Dak kind of like control and run the offense. And I think that's going to be. Uh, utilizing the passing attack a little bit more, utilizing Dak's legs a little bit more, like we've already talked about. Uh, and so I could see I could see Dak now suddenly becoming maybe a little more valuable, particularly in those first six weeks. Okay. I think I'm still leaning the other way uh, from you. Uh, and what, what makes me think that is going back to the year where they had uh, DeMarco Murray, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was that was the best year Romo had. And they were a great team. They had the great play up until, you know, Des dropped that ball and he dropped it. <laughs> so uh, so I was at that game. Uh, that, that ball bounced off the ground. And I'm going to get hate mail with my happy birthdays now. <laughs> fine. Um, it was very clear in the rules on that one. But the next year they let DeMarco Murray go. They had the same offensive line and they were counting on any back can do this. Right. You know, right. behind this line. And they couldn't. And Romo's numbers dropped. They had trouble filling in. I think he got hurt too again, obviously. But I I don't know how it's going to work. It essentially changes the dynamic of that offense, and it's going to change how teams play them. Totally, totally. I'm no, I think risk, I risk averse at this point yeah. in terms of Dak Prescott. I've seen one year of him. No, so. I I agree with that. And I mean, at the going into the season, I was, you know, I still like Dak, but I didn't. I did not think that he was going to be able to recreate his rookie season in a touchdown interception percentage and all that kind of stuff. I mean, his stats are pretty, pretty crazy from a, from that perspective. I just think, I think now you're looking now at a quarterback who's probably going to, you know, who's going to throw the ball a bit more than you were initially anticipating early in the season. Uh, And for someone who you can get in the very, very late rounds. I think we had him currently, I think we have him as our QB 15 in the consensus rankings. Um, and so that'll be, you know, you, you can probably easily, you still get him in the, in the double digit rounds. Uh, for someone like that, I think he's got upside and I think he's got a little more, he's going to be receiving a little more volume uh, in those first six games. So, um, okay. But yeah, but that's the beauty of this podcast. It wouldn't be worth listening to if we both were just like, "Oh my god, that's a great point. We agree on everything." Perfect. Yeah. No, I know. This is just, yeah, yeah, it's just the way uh, it is. Uh, so not only did the Ezekiel Elliott news come down, this was last Friday. Not only did that news come down, but about thirty minutes later, suddenly, and I thought this was a joke. Story time. So I was writing the, I was finishing up the Ezekiel Elliott article, and I like submitted it published it got it all sent out and everything and i was like all right cool this is gonna be now i get to have my break and i i get to you know i've been watching i've been re-watching new, uh, new girl so i like had a new girl episode all ready to go had my d- lunch ready i was like this is gonna be a nice sit down for 20 minutes relax and then i checked my twitter and like bill's the bill's official team twitter account was like we just traded sammy watkins to the rams and i was like no no they didn't 
And of course they did. Um, and so then I had to quickly freak out and had to pump out another article, and that was just hectic. But anyways, so long story short, Sammy Watkins is now in Los Angeles, uh, and as a move to go along with that, uh, the Bills then also traded for uh, Eagles slot receiver Jordan Matthews. Uh, and so now Matthews is, on, is in Buffalo. Sammy Watkins is in L.A. Jonathan, what does this mean for either of them? Well, both of them are going into the final year of the contract at this point. And so it's going to be a very interesting thing. So it's kind of weird that they – essentially the Bills got one guy they weren't sure was going to be around next year and then went out and got another guy that they aren't going to be sure is going to be there next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a weird thing. And uh, as, as we know, I, I do write for the Acme Packing Company, which is also an SB Nation blog for the Packers. Uh, fellow writer there, SB Nation writer, John Meerdink, put out to to us in our, our, our meetings here. It says, two trades involving players by the same team on the same day. That's an NFL unicorn. There aren't trades in the NFL. No, that was that had an NBA trade written all over it. We'd seen these trades going through the NBA this offseason. That was I was flabbergasted by what happened. Little I mean, just the Sammy Watkins move was flabbergasted. And then having that accompanied by Jordan Matthews moving in the same day within the it was basically a a three team trade in the way that it kind of all broke down. Right. And this is all going down. This went down August eleventh. And on August 14th, the most Bills thing ever happened. (laughs) And that's uh, Watkins went – no, not Watkins, sorry. Um, Jordan Matthews got hurt. And within a half hour, uh, EJ Gaines got hurt. That's the cornerback they picked up in that trade with uh, the Bills. The Rams. So they went out and got two guys. And, of course, they just get snake bit because some sort – I don't know. Some sort of voodoo curse or something. Because of the bills, but the it's bills. just the most bills thing ever, right? Just yes, hundred percent. Big moves to go do something, and it just blows up in their face, and it just feels bad for that team. I hope they're fine. I haven't heard that they're obviously out for any significant period of time at this point. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I don't feel terribly different about it. I think maybe Jordan Matthews might might be all right there i think both of them just need the change of scenery i totally uh, agree both you do okay yeah no i i i agree with you i think jordan matthews for jordan matthews i had this as a slight uptick in his value because he's leaving a pretty crowded eagles offense if you kind of piece it all together um especially one where you know alshon jeffrey is going to require a lot of targets he's zacherts he was competing with zacherts already um, and his role in the slot was going to be diminished, and he was not so thrilled about that, yada, yada, yada. Um, and now he goes to a team at Buffalo who's wide receiver needy. They have Zay Jones, and they've got Anquan Bolden, who I do love Anquan Bolden. Um, but adding a talent like Jordan Matthews I think makes a lot of sense, and he's now – I would not be surprised if he becomes very quickly the focal point of that passing attack, assuming that he is healthy heading into the beginning of the season. Um, whereas for Sammy Watkins – uh, maybe the Bills don't know if they like Tyrod Taylor, but I know Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. Uh, and so Sammy Watkins, <laughs> I had him. He takes a few steps down the ranking. Yeah, I guess my, my thing is, yeah, you're, you're right. It, the Philadelphia backfield became, or whiteout core, became kind of crowded very suddenly, it yeah. seems, yeah. or the last little bit. I kind of thought that maybe Matthews would get a little more space now that there were other targets out there as, as of course, uh, Twitter, uh, God, uh, Nelson Aguilar, who is beloved by all and shining the world apparently this year, according to the, you know, the lies of the coaching staff, as we said before. Right. right. And having Alshon Jeffries is going to help. And if Doriel Green Beckham ever became anything, who knows? Um, <laughs> But, yeah, it seems interesting putting him out there. He's He's got that guy in a thing where he can be that slot guy, where he can maybe get lost somewhere in that Buffalo system. Because uh, he's going to have a quarterback who's going to go around, who's going to get lost back there. He's going to extend plays. And Matthews might be able to take advantage of that. I have no interest in Sammy Watkins whatsoever at this point. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm touching, not him. touching him. Yeah, I'm not going to own him because I'm going to rate him below so many other teams <laughs> at this point. And in uh, what are the couple leagues where I've already drafted, including my favorite league, because everybody has their one favorite league, uh, I'm just 
kind of happy I just never ended up with him. I, I was already not high on him. I think I had him on the list we were talking about last week of guys I'm just not that interested in. Yep. And now I really just I, I don't have any value for him at all at this point. Uh, maybe flex somewhere down the line. I don't know. I, at this point, I'm not likely to want him anywhere other than as my fourth wide receiver. I think he That's is someone wide receiver and a flex is what I'm talking about in that that sense. Yeah, I think he is someone that if you haven't drafted yet, don't draft him uh, because some some noob will waste a draft pick on him, thinking that he, this is going to be his you know second coming and he's going to become the wide receiver we all wanted him to be, and they're going to be like, oh, this is the greatest deal ever, and I'm doing a great job, but. He's going to disappoint slash get injured. He's going to get cut. You know, this person's going to drop them from their team and with four weeks in. And then you'll be able to pick him up for free off the waiver wire and kind of see what he can do maybe in the later weeks or coming up into the fantasy playoffs. But I would not draft him at all. Is there anyone outside of Jordan Matthews or Sammy Watkins who you think this trade, whose fantasy value feel like was increased by this uh, by this trade? I think Zay Jones becomes more interesting. Uh, I think they definitely have been shuffling other things around. Mm-hmm. I think what they're doing is they're saying they know the position they want Zay Jones to be. And likely he was the position that Sammy Watkins was going to fulfill on that team. They got rid of a deep guy, a guy who's a little bit more of a long strider, a guy who is is that longer threat who can beat you. And they went on and got a guy who fits more of that slot mentality. He's going to be a cutter. He's going to be underneath. He's going to be making a... A move and make somebody miss. I think they like Zay Jones on a lot more of what they're going to do that way. Either that or they're looking for more guys to be able to play more underneath, get open on the broken play, and they just don't think Sammy Watkins is that guy. Uh, I like Zay Jones. He's got a great talent set. He definitely played it more than a year. And I think that this shows that they very much believe what they have in him because they got rid of somebody they knew and brought in somebody they didn't which means that they have a lot of faith in the people they kept. Yeah, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, for me, and I know I just spent the early part of this discussion talking about how Sammy Watkins is injury prone and doesn't do anything and, and can't do anything, uh, and how Jared Goff is a horrible quarterback who can't throw 20 yards down the field. But I do think the addition of Sammy Watkins helps Todd Gurley. Um, because if Watkins is healthy and is on the field, the Rams do now finally have a wide receiver that has deep playability, that has big play threat, that defenses actually do have to worry about because he's not Tavon Austin and five foot ten and can't <laughs> catch a jump ball. Um, um, so I think that now defenses are going to have to commit to have to commit to high safeties if if Watkins is on the field and that's going to free up the box for Todd Gurley to be able to do a little bit more. And it just balances out the offense for who defenses have to worry about. So I think it doesn't make Todd Gurley suddenly a, a top 10 running back who you should be investing, you know, who you should be going crazy for and, and maybe taking in first rounds and whatnot. But I think Todd Gurley's has now, a, there's a little bit more uh, possibility that he can maybe uh, rekindle some of the early rookie year sensation that uh, that we all loved. All right. Uh, LA is kind of a, well, just Rams, so it's a little bit of a black hole to me. Yeah. Like they there, and then I stopped thinking about them. Here, here's something interesting I totally forgot until I'm looking at it. The, the Rams are going to be starting Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods. It's, they're uh, they're uh, teammates. They're just collecting X bills at the wide receiver core. So Zay Jones in a couple years, you just, you know, keep your eyes up. He's either going to be on the Rams or the Patriots. Well, and I guess we also do know now that, uh, at the end of this year, Jordan Matthews is going to be a free agent. It's true. So except for the Rams have no cap money. Uh, I can't remember who they're going to, whose contracts are running up there, but I'm pretty sure I looked at over the cap. I think they have the lowest cap space for this season. Well, the biggest one they've got is Aaron Donald coming up and there's, I mean, they're going to, which, which also makes, I mean, so EJ Gaines was a big thing on their, on their uh, docket as well on their cap as well, but it does make the Sammy Watkins trade a little interesting because you've got, yeah, you, they don't have a lot of cap space and you're now, you have to sign the best, arguably the best defensive uh, defensive player in the NFL right now. You got to re-sign him. He's going to be a, demanding a big old contract, and then you're going to also have to re-sign Sammy Watkins to make the trade worth it. 
does it will will it play out? Well, I'm not so sure. At this point, maybe you considered a wash in that you thought you were going to lose. Um, so, well, no gains. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I guess that'll play out in a very interesting way. Maybe they're counting on that contract washing off. Yeah, or they were looking for the cap to to leave them. Uh, so I don't know. We shall see. Sort of insider uh, bit to the Rams way of thinking that uh, <laughs> thankfully I don't have insight into the Rams. Shockingly, mind. we can't provide. I, oh. I don't. I don't want that sort of thing in my mind. <laughs> so, all right, all right. Moving on. Now that we've uh, delved into the uh, the deeper workings of the Rams organization, uh, as we've been doing positional weeks, obviously FA teams. Last week uh, we were talking. We touched on how we were talking about wide receiver week. This week is tight end weeks, and uh, Jonathan wrote an article today looking at rookie tight ends and. Uh, his idea was to maybe take your foot off the accelerator and slightly tap the brake pedals uh, when it comes to rookie tight end hype. Uh, so, what was? Uh, give me, give me the overview. What What did you discover? What's your, What's your reasoning for uh, chilling down a little bit on these uh, rookie tight ends coming into the league? Well, this is something that I think some of us have probably heard in a couple of different places and that uh, generally we don't see a lot from a lot of rookie tight ends. So I just wanted to go out and get the numbers for a lot of people and get that out there on that. Uh, and I pulled in some of these names, some of these people you, you obviously know, some of them you wouldn't know. So I didn't pull up a lot of the, some of these stats. You know, like guys like Vance McDonald didn't really have stats as a rookie. Travis Kelsey actually had no stats as a rookie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was just, you, you look at some of these guys, you're like, well, he's a stud. He's, he's amazing. And you're like, they didn't play him when he was a rookie. Uh, Gavin Escobar, who he's a solid tight end, you know, yep. but he only had 15 targets as a rookie. And it makes, uh, it makes sense because very few teams run two tight end sets or, re- or play two tight end sets reliably enough that a rookie is going to come on and be the number one target in a, in a tight end, you know, as a tight end. I mean, even, well, I mean, we can go back to Gronk's rookie year. He was also sharing it with with the, the late Aaron Hernandez, um, and so they both were bouncing time. But if you're looking at and if you're looking at the tight ends, the rookie tight ends who are coming in uh, coming in this year, perceivably David Njoku has the best route um, to having fantasy relevance as a starting tight end because he. Hugh Jackson likes tight ends in his offense. He utilizes them. You can look at Gary Barnage there. Um, and who's gone. who's gone, exactly. And so there's no one challenging Njoku, which means the Gary Barnage release was mildly surprising, but also makes me think similarly to why you'd be able, why you'd get rid of Sammy Watkins, um, because you think you're trusting Zay Jones. I do think that they might have a little too much faith, possibly, we'll see, uh, in what Njoku can do. Um, but I do think if we're looking at rookie tight ends, OJ Howard, I think ultimately is going to be the better tight end, uh, but he's going to get, I don't think he's going to have that much production his rookie year simply because he's in a very, uh, very action packed offense and already working with Cameron Brait, who broke out last year as a, as a tight end, both in fantasy and in real life. And I will be actively rooting against him passing Cameron Brait <laughs> due to my dynasty team. One of my two dynasty teams, at least. Um, yeah. Uh, that one's going to be a little bit more interesting because he's going to have to share tight end catches along with the fact that they have two big time wide receivers on the outside. They're going to have Deshaun Jackson and they're going to have Mike Evans, Mike Evans, who led, I believe everybody in targets last year. Yeah. So there's going to be some stealing of, of targets from Mike Evans to feed them to Deshaun Jackson and to OJ Howard somewhat, but Howard is going to, Kind of, I mean, he might move into that number one tight end spot, but he's going to be sharing a bunch of it. I mean, and the thing is, I just think that the tight end position in college just plays so much differently um, because there always seems to be some kind of learning curve for these guys. And it's not frequently more than a year, but the only guy in the last four years whose stats I would be, well, Eifert had decent ones, so there's like two or three maybe. Zach Ertz had 56 targets his rookie year, 36 catches, and he did have four touchdowns, 469 yards. Mm-hmm. That's, that's decent. It's like 71 points or so, somewhere in there. Um, Tyler Eifert had 60 targets and 39 catches. Wow. 40, yeah, 445 yards, two touchdowns. 
The only other one, though, that you really like, 36 catches, 478 yards, eight touchdowns for Hunter Henry last year. Yeah. It's touchdown dependent to a degree, but that's exactly what you need in the Chargers offense. So the fact that he's able to, he's the only guy who really killed it on touchdowns. Uh, I only think there were, there's, Zach Ertz is the only guy to get as high as four. Right. Of the last four years of tight ends here. And that's that's counting Eric Ebron. Jason Morrow, Austin Safarian Jenkins, C.J. Fedorowicz, Travis Kelsey, uh, who was Austin Hooper last year, Tyler Higby, uh, Nick Vanett. But one of the things it says is that maybe you look at these guys and say that second year usually there's a lot of growth. Maybe there's some deep late rounds. If you're going to wait on tight end and build up elsewhere, somebody like Austin Hooper might have some value. He had 19 catches. 271 yards, three touchdowns last year. If you count on a boost, you could be seeing somewhere up of 40 catches, 50 catches, 500 yards, six, seven touchdowns, depending. He might be somebody interesting late if you're going to put off drafting tight end till late. I mean, there's that top tier of a couple guys you want. If you're going to wait on it, uh, Austin Hooper might be an interesting one. I really like Tyler Higby as an athlete, but he's in that black hole of, of Los Angeles. I wrote about I wrote about Austin Hooper. I wrote an article about late round tight ends that you that you should keep eyes on. Uh, and the biggest thing with Austin Hooper that I liked is the fact that they got rid of Jacob Tammy, who was third on the team in red zone targets. Uh, so if if Hooper can take even a, you know a half of that, probably I mean my guess is even more than half will be designated to him because he's a big guy uh, who's already shown a propensity to being able to score in the red zone and, and box people out. Uh, and win contested balls. I think he could definitely be in in for a big jump in the season. Uh, so I, I definitely I agree with the initial the basically the premise that a rookie year rookie year tight ends tend to not really give you a drastic fantasy outcrop or output. But I think second year when they're got their toes wet, they're more established in the NFL, more established in the team in the system. Um, they're ready to go because most, again, most tight ends, at least what I, in my kind of discovery and, and findings and for the teams that I've constructed and played with, most of the times tight ends tend to be touchdown dependent. That's probably the problem with Tyler Higby's sort too, is I think he's more of a field stretching tight end mm-hmm. than he is a goal line tight end. Exactly. And like, that's why, I mean, and you, we've seen those kinds of tight ends and they definitely have a place in this league and they're fantastic. And, and, and as a fan watching actual football, you love to have them on your team, but in a fantasy world, where tight end, I mean, touchdowns reign supreme. You know, if you're, if you're, even if you're putting up whatever, 600 yards and three touchdowns, that's going to pale in comparison to a 408 touchdown performance. Uh, and then there, we were looking at a couple of the other tight ends who were picked this year and kind of where, what we thought of them. Some of the other guys beyond that, of course, we've got guys like, um, Evan Ingram, we talked about beforehand, uh, at, with the Giants, and I, I don't, I, I, li- I like him. I, I think that the you can kind of see it going one of two ways. Either he becomes he has a role kind of notched out for him in the Giants' offense, and he flourishes in that role. He's a big again. He's he's one of these athletic field stretching tight ends, uh, which the Giants have lacked, and Eli has lacked. But Eli has in the past been able to utilize, and they just haven't had someone like that uh, in that role for a long time. But I could also see it going the other way where you're already trying to feed Brandon Marshall, Odell Beckham Jr., and Sterling Shepard, uh, and Evan Ingram could very quickly slip between the cracks in a fantasy, per- you know, not produce enough for a fantasy perspective, but, you know, still be able to produce in real football. But fantasy-wise is uh, not worth an investment. Yeah, and one of the other guys that brought up one of the top ones brought up this year was Bucky Hodges for <laughs> Minnesota Vikings. But, you know, he's going to be behind. Uh, he's going to be a number two at best out there playing behind Kyle Rudolph. Vikings definitely love to use tight ends in their system because they don't like throwing more than seven yards downfield. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but Bucky Hodges, who we've determined is the uh, the name for the superhero before the tragic accident. You know, <laughs> their, their alter ego. Bucky Hodges before the, the train crash that, that made him who he is today. So let's just let's just hope that early in the season he gets into that train crash that 
turns him into this just superhero tight end who can just receive, who goes through double digit t- touchdowns and puts up a thousand yards. Yeah, hurtling just linemen as, at will and <laughs> just breaking everything. It's the tackle. only hope for Bucky Rogers. Hodges. Hodges. <laughs> I combined it. I combined it with Steve Rogers, Captain America. Oh, they made him Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers. Oh, the 21st century. century. Oh, man. You're just putting your own name on him. You're just claiming him. I am. I, there's, <laughs> that's a great name. That's why Bucky's – you're so so versatile. We love you, Bucky. If you want to come on the show, you're welcome anytime. Oh, please, Bucky. Come on. <laughs> um, fantastic. So, yeah. So that's and, – and you can look at – check out Jonathan's article in full at Fake Teams. Uh, fantastic stuff. Talking and – he, and he takes a deep dive into um, – tight ends now who we consider as elite fantasy options takes a peek at their rookie seasons and their first few seasons uh and sees whether or not they were always as good as we now believe them to be uh (laughs) so wrapping this thing up we're going to get on the horn with heath caps secondary birthday man um because you know it's a cultural phenomenon we all watch it we all love it game of thrones uh we started doing a fantasy game of thrones league uh on fake teams if you haven't participated in that you should definitely do it just a little fun pick five players have a whole scoring system um it adds a little more intrigue and and fun into the show um so let's get let's get heath on and we will uh we'll talk about what we think is going to happen in this upcoming episode all right, so we want to welcome on Heath. Uh, Heath, how are you? I'm doing well. Good. Hang out. Birthday. It is. We were. I was just telling this because we opened the show. It's also Jonathan's birthday today. Uh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right, saying. Jonathan. Did you know? I know this is a tangent, but this is this is Elvis's death day. Did you know? Seventy-seven. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. How That's do you guys right. feel about being born on the day that the king died? Well, I don't, I don't have strong. I just, <laughs> I just a, it's just a random fact that you see it like the Cracker Barrel cards, you know, with like the random facts about your birthday or whatever. So breaking news: Heath hates Elvis. Nah, I'm fine with it. <laughs> without takes everybody. Without, uh, takes on the king. <laughs> I don't oh. know. Like, I'm fine with Elvis. Okay. Elvis. Lukewarm, uh, lukewarm. Yeah. We'll change that no, to but, lukewarm. You gotta look Elvis. The thing that you notice though is, I was at a wedding recently and they played Elvis. When you you try to dance to it, you're kind of like, "Oh my goodness, he just changes the tempo constantly." <laughs> you <laughs> like, can't oh. dance to it. Just great though. Uh, also, today, August sixteenth, is the day Babe Ruth died. Wow. That, wow. That, yeah, yeah. Much earlier. Much earlier. That, 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 that. <laughs> and it's also Madonna's yeah. birthday, which my wife makes sure I know. Is whose birthday? Madonna. Ah, yeah. I didn't know that either. Man, you guys just have we're such a... Cooler. You and me, Heath, we're definitely on the the higher level, I think. Yeah, man. Pete, who died on your birthday? I, I don't know of anyone who died on my birthday. I got to do this research. I'm going to have to come back next episode. We'll, I'll break down the whole list of who was born and died on my birthday. That's definitely... We're starting with birthday deaths. Right. I mean, I feel like that's the most important thing to talk about. Of course, the best one is that John Adams and Thomas Jefferson died on America's birthday. <laughs> Mer- so from birthday deaths, we can go to Game of Thrones deaths. That's a perfect transition. I could. <laughs> this podcast has, has been built on perfect transitions, and that is one of them. Um, awesome. Yeah. So what do you, Heath, what do you, what do you feel about this episode? I assume you have not checked out or watched or seen any of the spoilers from the, uh, from the Spain release. I have not. And I am very excited that no one has shared said spoilers in my Twitter feed. So it's, I've actually been, I've actually been really happy with all the people I know that watch it and geek out because everybody to a person has said like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna watch any spoilers. Like, Everybody I know wants to wait until Sunday, so I'm excited about that. No, no spoilers for me. I'm definitely not looking it up. Good. <laughs> that's the worst thing to come upon when you're just like randomly. That's how I found out that Jon Snow came back from or died. That Jon Snow died was because I was just perusing Twitter and someone had just been like, "Oh, someone, you know, some made some joke about Jon Snow's death," and I was like, "No, no, that's not true." And then what do you know? <laughs> I watched it and was devastated. 
these horrible spoilers called the books. The called the books. Well, he doesn't die. He doesn't die in the books, does he? He's stabbed. He's stabbed. He's stabbed. And, and it goes dark. And then you're you're kind of lukewarm on things. When they yeah. don't specifically tell you exactly how dead they are, then you have to feel they're coming back. Right. Exactly. Now we're we're, we're so far ahead. Of the book, so now it's yeah, right, right, all that stuff. So, yeah. No, I've but read John Stats is there. Yeah, <laughs> I've read all the books. I just forgot that he. I think I was still being. Oh, I was overly tra- traumatic by the by the realization that he dies. Um, but anyways, but we're 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 trapped way in the past here because we're looking forward to this next episode that basically ended with the best group of badasses that you could ever want storming the north, going beyond the gate. I mean, I want to I want to honestly think of if there was. Anyone who was like, would there have been any character that you wanted to have added to that group of people? Braun might have been good, except for he's never going to be in that group with those people, right? Braun's hilarious yeah. that way. Braun is good. Yeah, wrong side, but that that guy's like a cockroach. He like he just never dies. Like it was <laughs> perfect perfect time for him to die after he fires the fires the scorpion at the dragon it's like all right this is bronze time finally and he just he's still kicking so there was there was no uh i think there was no like change more drastic change in my opinion of a character in in a 20 minute period than Braun laughing at dick a dick on and then <laughs> trying to kill uh Drogon. and i was just like went from absolutely loving him like yes Braun, you're the best to like oh hell no I don't know. It's it's. I think part of what's cool about it is you, you kind of root for people on both sides. And I think this is probably too deep, but Martin lives in this gray area, you know, where it's like you you initially you're like, all right, you despise the Lannisters, and then at some point, especially with Jamie and Brienne, totally, you start to kind of you like Jamie, and you realize, okay, he's got some form of honor and he kind of wins you over. So I'm like, I'm like secretly rooting for Bronn to hit the dragon, even though I don't want Drogon to die. But I'm like, I'm like kind of rooting for Bronn. Like I like Bronn. I can't help it. Well, you mentioned Brienne. Brienne of Tarth would have been awesome going out there too. She would be. And she could have. That could have been where she and Torben finally have their, uh, their romance. <laughs> oh man. Like in a cave, like Jon Snow. Uh, and uh... <laughs> Jon Snow works his best game in caves. <laughs> it's something, something about caves that gets Jon Snow just like perfectly in the mood. He was already making moves on Daenerys in, in the cave. Daenerys she, in the cave. Yeah. yeah, you know it. Um, I'm, I'm just excited. You know it's going to be a big episode for, and this is, and quickly touching on our fantasy Game of Thrones, it's going to be a big episode for all of those guys going up because that whole, this whole episode is just going to be them fighting rights. Like that's all they're going to do. So my, my thought to ask you was are you going to raise like some of those guys we haven't seen in a long time so oh they're all like four points a piece i mean they're, uh, yeah they're just going to be so, slaughtering everyone so the algo is is, is working then because if they were all going to be like one or two i'm like all right i already i already got my team picked oh Good. totally no no you gotta you're gonna have to be able to pick between them all because there is just no way i did a whole episode they're in the trailer in the uh, in the teaser that they showed. I mean, it's basically like all f- seven of them just surrounded by rights, and you're like, "Yep, they're just gonna like hack their way out." So that's gonna be a billion points right there. I don't know. I think the the most Game of Thrones ever thing to do is to cure Jorah Mormont just to send him north to die. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> The only the only thing that makes me hold back with him dying is like the multiple hugs with with Daenerys, and it, you know, when she sent him away, it's like she, he had been completely friend zoned, you know, right. like all right, we know Jorah's into Danny, but Danny like shut him down hard. So, Dude, and then it, when he comes, then when he comes back, it's like three or maybe it was only two hugs, but it's like man, it's like she is like hugging all over him, and I know it's platonic, but it's the it best. Just, the best uh, love triangle on television right now. John Snow is having none of it. But see, that's where people said, "Oh, it's a love triangle." Like I know she's not interested in him at all, but like I don't know why they felt like it was important to show these really long hugs. So maybe think, he is going to die. I think Jonathan's hug. right. I think Jonathan's right. That is the most Game of Thrones move ever: is to <laughs> have him cured of grayscale and then send him up to the north. <laughs> Oh, then he's going to come back as a white, and they're going to bring him back. 
It'll bring him back down. Whoa. This is... He's definitely the sort that would like die trying, you know, oh, like totally. as, he, he's, as he's shoving off, he's like, let me go serve you, you know, like, all right, cool. Go die. Like, <laughs> cool. it's, it's, I'm all right. Joss Snow's no. like, yeah, no, I've already died before. I'm totally letting you have this. <laughs> well, so I, I, got, I got into this convo on Twitter earlier where, and I don't, I don't even remember. I know, I know Al Smizzle was in it. And people were talking about John and dragons and, so the debate, like, is John going to ride a dragon? I think everybody assumes he's going to. Oh, totally. Right? So then the question is, like, well, which one? So I'm, I'm stuck on, like, so Danny flies up on the beach and this thing with Drogon where he pats his head and all that stuff. Like, I'm like, John's going to ride Drogon. Like, it, like they, one of the, one of my favorite memes that came out of it was the, Somebody showed that shot where it's like the big dragon head and then John's standing there in like his wolf cloak and it's like when when game recognizes game. <laughs> it's lost. true. He's the most it's like he's the most game recognizes game. He's got the he's got the uh, best right to the throne. Well so so people are like, Oh no, Danny's too attached to Drogon and all that, but when she when he has this little moment with Drogon, there's like no jealousy with her at all. Which is what people were thinking, like, okay, well, John and Drogon are going to have this moment, and then da- Daenerys is going to be jealous, and she wasn't jealous at all. She started talking to him about like how pretty they were, like they're my beautiful children, or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, not really. I see them as like he didn't say it, but he's like, well, they're basically they're basically like awesome killing machines. But yeah, sure, whatever. They're beautiful. And then, but, and but when she, agree when with she got down, right. she wasn't she wasn't jealous at all. So I'm like, if Drogon chooses John. She could Danny's, let it happen. She's going to have to ride another dragon. Yeah. I like so it. I don't know. The thing that I always want to figure out here, because, I mean, like in the book, there's the constant reference to the dragon has three heads. Hmm. And I I always take that to mean that there have to be three people. I mean, the original invasion of of Westeros right. has, the you know, the series and his, his sisters. And so you're like, you can pick out two. It seems. I mean, you can never pick out anything. But what are what are the different thoughts? You know, just you guys you, are. Are we looking for the third dragon? And where in the world are we getting it? The third dragon in the next season, possibly, or are we going to get some hints at this soon? I think the like the other theory is the Night King's going to spear one, and so then it's going to be one ice dragon. So that takes out the need to find like a third worthy person because like john and yep. john and Harris are obviously worthy so i'm like all right if there's a if there's an ice dragon then we then we don't need a third rider but if there is no ice dragon which would be a major bummer then <laughs> then, then, I, then i think we need another targaryen and i don't know like for the longest time the speculation was Tyrion is a targaryen mm-hmm. and then yeah because he's the, the, the front yeah the, the Raven told Bran, like, you're never going to walk again, but you will fly. So I was like, all right, well, maybe Bran's going to ride one, but like, he's crippled. Like, how's he going to hold on? You know? So. Yeah. He's inside the skin. He's a, he's a shifter. You could just, oh my God, he could just become the dragon. Uh, <gasps> in the book, so can John. Bran the war. Oh, yeah. Right. I never, I never so even thought Arya about that. in the books. Yeah. There's a lot that's, because in the books too, and again, we should have, I mean, if you're listening to this part and you've we've ruined everything for you, it's not our fault. As soon as we're talking Game of Thrones, you know this is just going to be spoilers. So spoilers, um, because in the books, there's a the youngest Targaryen, the kid, did, the youngest brother doesn't get killed. He's alive um, and gets shipped off. That's who Jorah Mormont is protecting and gets the grayscale. Um, so he, could, I mean, they could randomly have that storyline just magically appear and be like, "Oh, by the way, actually, Daenerys and the, the other guy is a completely different character who's not in the movie." Right, right, yeah. And be like, "Oh yeah, by the way, Daenerys has a younger brother, and he's just been Jay Chill, and we haven't mentioned him at all, but he'll ride that third dragon." And that's what I don't know, like how much liberty they're taking with the show versus the story. Like, are they gonna? I, f- I feel like we're gonna find out what John's real name is either like this episode or the next one. Yeah. So are they just going to say like his name was Aegon and then be done with it? 
you know, like, and just maybe they're going to like blend the characters. I don't know what they're going to do, you know, or, oh, interesting. or, or they're like never going to talk about the other character at all. Like and make, and make the whole thing for TV about John and Daenerys. So I don't know. Martin's already said that based on the decisions they've made, the books will not end the same way as the show. Uh, okay. He said it can't. Wow. So it makes, it makes me think that like they're completely ignoring Aegon. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that the right way. That's how I say it in my head. We need to find somebody who speaks high Valerian. Make sure. <laughs> bring him on. Maybe Haji knows. There you go. Maybe Haji knows. We could bring on, or we could bring on uh, the maester, the ringer's maester. But we uh, need a maester on this podcast. That's for sure. That's that's for sure. Uh, Heath, that can be your role. You can come in and be our, be our maester. Perfect. So I need a chain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not like big on jewelry, but. But you, you'd be able two, to, you'd rock that chain. I got daughters, so I can rock like all their, all their dress up necklaces. So. There you go. There you go. I'll forge yourself. Weave them all together. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Well, we, uh, we don't want to take too much more of anyone's times, but, uh, we figured we, we had to touch on a little Game of Thrones because it's just. So which Game of Thrones character is your quarterback? There it is. That's what, that's <laughs> what we're leaving you on. Nice. Uh Something you make it football like. Uh, with John, because he's come back from the dead, I think he's got great staying ability. I don't think you worry about him going down. <laughs> Thanks to the heart for your team. You know it. So his uh, Madden stamina rating is 99. <laughs> oh, nine, nine. In his injury, he just has an infinite injury rating. He just doesn't. He just, Even when he dies, he just comes right back. If you haven't seen the YouTube video of the guy with Greg Jennings playing oh, Madden, yes. the broken leg, you need to Google that now. You need to and stop the podcast and John go. Snow. That is <laughs> that team on my back. <laughs> that's what John Snow does to your team. So, in conclusion, in conclusion, you uh, will have to draft John Snow first overall. He's just he's he is your quarterback. He's the quarterback of the future, uh, but he won't be throwing to any tight ends because rookie tight ends aren't worth it. That's basically the conclusion. That's basically the conclusion of this uh, podcast. That's a summary of this podcast. True. So can I can I say Jamie Lannister is my quarterback? That way, that way we get all these like crappy announcer takes about how he's left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> he's the other the other left-handed quarterback in the NFL. Oh, that's perfect. Running. That's he's perfect. Bad. So bad. Oh man, <laughs> such oh. a terrible take. <laughs> Well, this has been good. This has been great. <laughs> With that, so make sure make sure to we're we're now officially on iTunes. You can find us on iTunes. So make sure to subscribe and rate us and like us and do all of that good stuff. Give us five stars. Rate us five. Yes, we want five stars because we ruined Game of Thrones for you. Um, and uh, make sure to follow us all on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Pete M Rogers, uh, J Barn at J Barn fifty four, and Heath. You're just Heath Caps, right? Yeah, I'm pretty boring. Boom at Heath Caps, uh, and make sure to read. We're all we all write for Fake Teams. Make sure to go on and it's, it's tight end week at Fake Teams. Make sure to read all of the great content that we're putting up. Uh, and as always, this has been FB. Oh, not FB. What the hell am I talking about? You can tell it's early in the podcasting world for this episode. <laughs> RB One colon a fantasy football podcast brought to you by Fake Teams. As always, I'm your host, Peter Rogers, and I've been joined by Jonathan Barnett and special guest, the Maester Heath Caps. Thank you guys for coming out. <laughs>